the reading is John chapter 21, beginning at verse 15, reading to the end of the chapter, and it's on page 1090 in your church Bibles. Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Thank you, Claire. One of the joys of team ministry is that even as vicars, we get a chance to listen and sit under other people's ministries. So I'm looking forward to uh, what Kai is going to share with us this evening from God's Word. So I'm just going to pray for you, Kai, as you begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the way that your Spirit speaks to us clearly through your Word. And I just pray now that you will anoint Kai with your Spirit, that he may bring to us fresh challenges, fresh insights. And above all, a word from you. In the name of Jesus, our risen Saviour. Amen. Amen. Over to you. Thank you. 
Well, good evening, lovely people, and it's lush to be back here, and it's been such a stunning day, hasn't it, from this morning and really now, and as we finish off this day, it's such a wonderful thing to do it, praising the name of the Lord. Um, I heard this, I saw on Facebook um, just yesterday that worship isn't the appetizer for the main course that we assume to be the sermon it is the main course and lest we forget we are here always to worship the name of the Lord and even this bit is actually worship to the Lord we are made to worship the Lord and that is such a privilege that is such an honor and it's the reason why we have come out this evening and it's the reason why we are here today since Easter Sunday we've been exploring the risen Christ. Of course, it started on Easter Sunday with the famous rising from the grave. And each week we've been looking at what Jesus did and his various appearances to the disciples and other as he rose from the dead. And this week, we're looking at the very last words we hear in the wonderful Gospel of John and how Peter interacted with Jesus and how John later had his story told in those last moments as well. But you, I'm going to say, cards on the table, looking at these two disciples, and to begin with Peter, if I knew Peter back then, I would have hated him. And I'll tell you for why. When you read through the Gospels, Peter is Mr. Keen. Peter is always the first in the queue. Peter is the teacher's pet. Peter is the one who gets his hand in the air first, and he's the one who wants to give the answer. For goodness sake, Peter is the one who decided to walk on water as well. Peter was always so up for it. Here he was doing the cowardly running away thing, but still hanging around to see what it is that would happen. Jesus, of course, as we know, died Jesus rose from the grave, and then Jesus appeared to the disciples. Now, if I was in Jesus' sandals on that day, I would have walked into that upper room, I would have walked over to John, given him a hug, I would have walked over to one of the others, given them a hug, I would have walked over to Mary, given her a hug, and all the same time, I would have given Peter the evils. (laughs) And I'll tell you what else I would do. When Peter would have come on in a brilliant risen from the dead, I would have said, how many times did you uh, deny knowing me, Peter? How does it feel like? Now, praise the Lord that Jesus is the Messiah, the one through whom all things were created, the one who flung the stars into space and not Kai Reese born in the general hospital Merthyr Tidville in 1980. (laughs) Jesus had a lot more going on for him, including a lot of grace, and he was pleased to see Peter on that day. But I wonder if those events also played on Peter's mind. When I was in my first year of theological college, I was put on a placement with a chaplain. I went on week one of this placement, and it was all right. I wasn't really thrilled by it, but those were the breaks. And then I got quite ill, I actually ended up in hostel, so I missed a few weeks with them. They knew all about this, and then I returned. My first week that I was back in college after my stay in hospital, I was due to be with this chaplain on my placement. 
The day came round, the time came round, and I looked at my watch and thought, oh my goodness, no, I have forgotten it. I quickly sent him an email, said, I'm so sorry, and I got one back almost immediately saying, that's it, you are no longer welcome to be on placement with me anymore. You have let me down. Of course, I was gutted. I felt a lot of shame. I felt terrible that this had happened. But I was also really scared. I'd only been in college a few months, and I didn't know what this would mean. I thought for certain I'm going to be in for a row. Maybe they'll even ask me to leave. I'd let the college down. I let myself down, and of course, I'd let this person down. But for a few days, I heard nothing. Then, for a few more days, I heard nothing. And I thought I'd gotten away with it. Then, I got a message from my tutor to say, can you come and see me next week? And that is when the panic really started to set in. I don't know if you've ever had to wait to get a row, but it's one of the most terrifying things there is. It will dawn on your brain for hours and hours, days and days, and sometimes can consume you so much that you can't think about anything else. And for that week or so, I was in that place. I was scared, worried, and wondering what my comeuppance would be. Now, as it turned out, my tutor was an incredibly graceful person, understood that there were a lot of mitigating circumstances with my absence, said to me, look, you want to be in ministry, you have to be reliable, but organise another placement for me. And it was absolutely fine. But the waiting, that was the thing that really got to me. And I wonder if Peter was in that same place. For those 40, 50 days, whatever it was, between Jesus rising for the first time and this conversation, he was wondering if Jesus would ever bring it up. If Jesus would ever say to him, so, what happened on that day? Now, as it turned out, Jesus appeared a multitude of times and didn't say anything. And Peter might have thought, I've got away with this. It's all going to be all right. Jesus has risen from the dead. I'm back in the good books. All is good. Let's crack on and see what happens next. And then, not long before he ascended to heaven, Jesus basically says to Peter, fancy a walk? And they walk along, and Jesus and Peter have this conversation. And three times, Jesus says to him, do you love me? Peter, of course, saying, yes, I do. The third time, getting a little bit agitated that Jesus had asked him, talk about a cheek. On the third time, he was actually a little bit upset by all that Jesus would dare ask him three times. He'd already said twice, yes, I love you. Three times was just taking the mick. But of course, he had denied him three times. And every time that Jesus said, I love you, Jesus gave him a command. And in giving him the command, prepared him for what was going to come next. You know, I will happily say that up until this point, I thought Peter was a numpty. But what happened next showed he really wasn't. When the Holy Spirit fell on him, it was Peter who stood up to proclaim the name of the Lord. 
When there was a need of a miracle and pray, it was Peter who stepped forward. When there was a need to spread the word, it was Peter who went out to do it. And even in this reading, Jesus was telling Peter to prepare himself for the horrific death that he would face, which Peter did face in Rome. Peter turned out to be a hero. But what's truly remarkable is the way in which Jesus dealt with him. You see, Jesus dealt with Peter in a way that Peter needed to be dealt with. Peter needed to be asked three times, do you love me? Peter needed a bit of an insight as to what his life was going to be like. Peter needed that one-to-one with Jesus. Peter had his individual needs, and Jesus was willing to fulfill them. Even after that involved, give him a little bit of a ticking off, all being one, done through grace. But then when we read through the story of the gospel before, we see the exact same thing. Jesus dealt with Peter and his, his own unique needs in the way that Peter needed dealing with. And if we need it really spelt out, the attitude of Jesus to the disciples and the individual attitude of Jesus to each individual disciple, all we need to do is see what happened next. You see, Peter still had a bit of the numpty in him. And after he'd gone through this three times, saying, I love you, he couldn't resist one more question. So he turns to look at the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we understand to be John, He sounds like he was up himself a bit, talking about himself, about being the one who Jesus loved, but actually it was quite a humble expression because he didn't want to mention his name. And he said to him, so what's going to happen to this guy then? Even though Jesus was speaking to Peter, Peter was still a bit obsessed about what was going to happen to John. And what did Jesus say to Peter? It is none of your business. I will deal with him how I will deal with him. And I will deal with you, how I will deal with you. And you know what? I will deal with Thomas, how I will deal with Thomas. I will deal with Simon, how I will deal with Simon. I will deal with every disciple, how I will deal with every disciple. The calling of Peter was completely different to the calling of John. The calling of Thomas was completely different. Again, the calling that he gives to us is completely different. You see, this is the incredible thing about the Lord. The Lord doesn't just see us. He sees us as individuals. He sees us as individual people with our own giftings, our own skills, and our own story. He is so invested in us as people that he is with us at all times and instructing us and leading us. And this is a real thing that goes with being a human that constantly wants to compare ourselves with somebody else and say, what about them? You see it in the church just as much. I remember being in theological college and how many people naturally having the conversation about who one day might be bishop. It is the most human, natural thing to talk about who is going to be the most successful. And often we measure ourselves 
not by God's values, but by the values of other people. We measure ourselves by the success of somebody else. Sometimes the success of how outwardly successful they are, how many qualifications they have, how much money they earn, what job they do for a living, what kind of house they live in. Sometimes we measure ourselves on a spiritual basis, how prophetic they are compared to us, how gifted a musician they are compared to us, how special they are compared to us. But here's the thing. When we do that, it just leads to misery. When we do that, it just leads to despair because we will always fall short when we compare ourselves to somebody else. It's the reason why so many people are miserable scrolling through social media. Comparison leads to unhappiness. Jesus is saying in all of this, don't look to other people. Don't compare yourself to that other church. Don't compare yourself to that other disciple. Compare yourself to who you are in me. And that is the challenge that Jesus is laying down for us this evening as well. Compare yourself to who you are in him. Pray, seek, understand the gifts that God has given to you. Pray, seek, understand your calling. And don't seek after the calling of somebody else, but seek after the calling that the Lord has given to you. You know, the most amazing thing I've heard today is this one saying, I'm going to do this until God calls me to do something else. Because that was an acknowledgement of the Lord's story in your life. It was absolutely amazing, Catherine. The Lord is working the story in each and every one of us. And that's why I think the ending of this gospel is so powerful. When you read it again, it's blinking brilliant. When John, calling a conclusion to this gospel, says, basically, that's the story so far. There are so many other stories I could tell. There won't be enough books in the world to fill all the things that Jesus did. And you know what? That's not just about the things that Jesus did during his earthly ministry. That's about the things that Jesus did since. That's about the things that Jesus does now. Those are the books that are being written about what Jesus does in our lives. I love this picture in my head, and I don't know if it's right or not, in heaven, just book after book after book of the story being told of what Jesus does in each of our individual lives for every single one of us who has ever lived, for every one of us who has lived. The story that Jesus has for us, the story of his love for us, the story of his plans for us, the story of what he wants from us. In this world, we're not called to be successful. In this world, we're not called to be rich. In this world, we are called to be one thing, and that is faithful faithfully serve the Lord and he will do the rest. On this day, after trying to be the best for so long, Peter learnt that lesson. 
from that day, his faithfulness took him all around the world, even till death. John did exactly the same, and we have this wonderful gospel. Peter's call was to go to Rome. John's call to write the gospel. Our call, something completely different, or maybe the same. It's about how God deals with us. We are in it together, but we are in it on a one-to-one level as well. May we trust in the name of the Lord. May we put our faith in him. May we listen to him and his plans for our lives. And as we listen to his plans for our lives, may we see his kingdom grow. If Peter, if John, if any of the disciples had said, I ain't going nowhere, we won't be here today. We are here because of people who are willing to say, I will follow you and your plans for my life. May we follow the plans that the Lord has for our life. And may he bless us in all that we do. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you love us so much. And we give thanks that we are individually loved. And Lord, as we give thanks to you that we are individually loved, we pray for each and every individual in this world now. We lift you this world that you created. We lift you this earth. And we pray, Father, your blessing upon it. As we lift you this world, we acknowledge the pain and suffering that is happening all around us. We lift you the pain that is happening in Ukraine. We lift you North Korea and the fear over COVID that is spreading there. We pray over the leaders of the world. We pray over the governments of the world. And we pray that all the world will acknowledge you as the saviour. We pray for our community here. We pray for our nation. And Lord, we lift you all that is happening with us, praying that we would be faithful to you and our plans We pray for our church as we pray for the universal church. We pray for us as individuals. We pray for all who are sick in body, mind or spirit. We pray for healing for all who are in need. And Lord, as we pray, we ask that you would reveal your plans to us, that we would be listened to those plans and that we would be faithful And Lord, we pray that as we continue to walk this earth, we would do so in your ways, in the way that leads to everlasting life. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen.